0: you're listening to highlights from the creative processes interview with members of the artistic and educational community of the Shinnecock Indian nation on Long Island New York this podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation we're all part of a web like mm-hmm. in the dream catcher everybody yeah. knows what a dream catcher is there's so many people who hang them became a fad but do mm-hmm. you really know that, that symbolizes that we're all part of the web and whatever you do to the web when it's wrong, then it's going to eventually come back and affect you because we're all connected. But um, also going back to what we'd like people to learn about Native Americans. I was an educator in actually the Southampton School District for a little over 21 years. And probably fear because um, of the outside, and maybe fear from the inside to know the outside. So there needs to be more, you know, reaching out more of an understanding. But we're doing that, like through the Guild Hall or the Watermill Center or the SAC Center or Southampton College. It, it, something is going on, or with you even coming mm-hmm. here, whereas the artists and people who want to communicate with the outside and have something to bring for this mutual understanding, because. Some of my non-native friends have told me about this that there's a fear of the people on the reservation because when you know whenever there's mostly a news account, yeah. it's always a horrible thing, you know, criminals. So the perception and the education it just needs to be more go out like a little drop in the water,
1: mm. and
0: just the waves just keep going out. So more and more people can come to an understanding.
1: So. Um Back to uh, Jeremy's point, you know, about about occupation and kind of also what you were talking about, historical trauma is the words, historical trauma, generational trauma, and just the, the lack of knowledge of true Native American history in America. Part of why people don't understand the history is because of how the media portrays it, as Denise was saying, and and for a long time and several several occasions, it was portrayed as there were no more Indians. Indians are extinct, you know there are no more and that was not only done um, especially out west through war and literal physical genocide in terms of killing, but even starting here on the east coast what was called uh, the residential schools, and the residential schools were where the the governments would come in and take uh, Native American babies and children and put them in residential schools. And they would cut their hair. They would force them into Christianity. They would force them to speak English. They would get abused if, if they did any of the above. Practice their culture, practice their traditions, their songs, their language, not dress in English clothing. And that, that started here in the late 1600s. And you know, it started here in Southampton in the late 1600s with what was called the Great Awakening. And that was when the first Shinnecock reverends and, and churches were established here in Southampton. And it didn't end in the Americas, well, North America um, in Canada until the 90s. That was something that was, that was very, very recent. And uh, there are a lot of people that I've met, people that went through those, those residential schools you know, and are still hesitant to practice their culture today so when we talk about who we are as a people, we have to kind of reclaim that as a community ourselves. And it's really important for us to remember where we came from in order to to be able to move forward. Because the the whole concept behind that was to make us assimilate, was to make us extinct one way, either through death, through literal extermination, or through assimilation. And uh, that's something that was done up until very, very recently, you know
2: well it's one question that we didn't address and, and so i often ask people is what, what can we do for our education system how can we improve upon it so it embraces all cultures that mm-hmm. embraces creativity increases these things that are being neglected and what do you feel
1: um, one of the best ways that i see bridging those cultural gaps historic gaps is bringing in somebody from that culture Right. Bring in somebody from those communities that are specific to that history, if that history is still living history, right? And to literally have somebody talk about themselves that, that I see is the best way that works, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of somebody else try, trying to explain the history, most people from history are still living, you know, and it, it's, it's just the next generation. I think that's one of the, the keys, is, is reaching out to those communities.
2: And in many uh, cases, there are children from those cultures that aren't represented by the uh, faculty. So to have someone from their own community come in, and I know my cousin Denise has done a ton of talks, especially November. That's probably the busiest month for us. But yeah, just to have our own voice heard and to have our children see our faces there makes them feel included, and it creates that safe place for them to feel comfortable in their identity.
3: In my mind, in my personal experience growing through the public school system and private schools and kind of academia, I always remember like the field trips, like every day you would learn something new when you go to school, but then you go to a field trip, and that's something you never forget. And I think that specific to Native American history, land is so vital to understanding who we are. Even if you assimilate us um, through language and religion and history and make us forget everything we've done, you can still have a link back to who you are just through where you came from and acknowledging that. So I think that if students had that same experience, that would be life changing for them
0: as an educator it's really important from the top down from the superintendent of schools board of education to really support that whole idea of native american curriculum which southampton had started which was fairly recently i was one of the curriculum writers for the southampton school district and i focused in on the whole idea of thanksgiving and how it really is like yeah, thanks for, what, giving us a disease. <laughs> well, that's how I <laughs> yeah. wrote mine part and stealing our land. But um, it needs to be continued. And we started, it was a group of people from Shonan who was writing this curriculum. And it was really geared for kindergarten through fourth grade. And then it stopped, but we were um, told that it would go on to the middle school, it would go on to the high school, but it hasn't gone on to the middle school, and it hasn't gone on to the high school, because those stories are going to get really upsetting, and they're going to be sad. The kids from Shinnecock, though, they're going to feel, like Tahanish was saying, they're going to feel so empowered Mm -hmm. by hearing about themselves, and like Shane was saying, to have actual Shinnecock people go in and teach them, that was what the recommendation was for mm-hmm. in our in our specific district. Whether it's going to go on, I don't know, but that is going to be, that's going to turn, it could, you know, it could have influence to turn the whole community around. I guess they don't want to continue because maybe it would make the kids who are non-Shinnecock feel guilty. Yeah, um, this is shame, guilt. Or guilt. Shame, yeah. guilt. Um, oh, is that really what happened, you know? to your people, but then they'll be, you know, in the other way, they'll be, you know, understanding also with that.
2: Because there's the local, the Shinnecock, and then there's this greater, as you mentioned, there's a kind of pan Native American. For those who aren't in school, what are some foundational books that you find are an introduction? Well, one of my favorite writers was always fine, Deloria Jr. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I liked his stuff is he broke down Why we feel the way we do about things like yes you're mad that they took our land but how did that happen and why did that happen so he goes through the Dawes Act you know the Reorganization Act he goes through a chronological uh, view of Native history through Native perspective and I found that to be very useful to just get a basic understanding of how things are the way, way they are now
1: well, in terms of books that have helped me are like the John Strong books, who was an author, a local author, who wrote a lot of history on Long Island, indigenous people and history, you know, stone books. But what really, really helped me as a Shinnecock person understand the history is by traveling out to different reservations all over the country and Canada and talking with people who went through the same things and where they were at in their historical Cycle in the colonization cycle and in in tribes that are similar to ours in terms of culturally But that's 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 what really really helped me out is is actually visiting different tribes because a lot of our history. It's not in the books and and Like 90% of what's in the books isn't right and I just want to add on to those
3: recommendations Uh, Tanish mentioned one book that I, I haven't read but I'll put on my reading list but it reminds me of another book by Eduardo Duran called uh, Native American post Psychology. Mm-hmm. And my godfather, Keith, is a psychiatrist, and he recommended me the book because it, it talks about contemporary issues and reservations like why is there substance abuse? Why is there abuse of power, domestic violence? And I try to share that book as much as I can. And Shane also mentioned John Strong. Just to give him more background, He lived in the Shinnecock Hills five minutes from the reservation, and he was a uh, professor at Stony Brook University in Southampton. And he comes from a perspective that's very, uh, I don't know, he's kind of like an an enigma of a person, because at first glance, you don't know why he did all of his work. I I would say he dedicated his whole life to researching us, the Montauket, and the other tribes of Long Island and i always ask myself why did he do all that for us and i always refer to his books and i think that he would be a good example for every american to become that individual to dedicate their time to something beyond themselves
0: yeah and um also with the gay now stone always are professors and sometimes those books are hard to find we hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on
1: subscribe. Thank you for listening.